You're listening to a podcast from 702. The Literature Corner. That was random. Why did I say good morning? I've already been saying good morning the whole the whole morning. Hey, the hazards of being a talk show host. Okay, so it is the reading corner today. Call in and read. I love it when you read for me, for yourself, and everyone else in 702 land. What's cool about reading is you get to slow down, breathe a little bit. And also, reading deepens our capacity for empathy because you practice being in a world different to your own, especially fiction. Um, so you can read. You can read from a novel that you are currently reading, and maybe you took it to work with you, or maybe you have quickly Googled a piece of writing that you'd like to read. It can be a poem, an essay, or it can be a work of nonfiction. Let's just read for one another for the next 20 minutes or so and become a country of readers. O double one double eight three oh seven oh two. I'll start us off. This is a book that I've read before and I've read from it for you as well. I still recommend it. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful book by one of my favorite contemporary writers in the world. One of those people who makes you jealous. You wish you could write as well as him. But we've got different places in the universe. Um, and being in America, in particular, with this kind of talent, you can package it so easily, send it out into the universe, eh? but more difficult if you're in the global south. But let me not be too jealous because I am a massive fan. Tana Hussey Coates, Between the World and Me. If you haven't read it, read it yet, you really, really, really should. I'm simply going to read from page one uh, for a minute or two while waiting for you to call in and you can read as well. Now, when I do this, many of you call in and you read your own stuff. That's not the end of the world. But please don't be self-indulgent. Tell me something that you're reading that's not you, right? Maybe a novel, maybe lyrics that appeal to you, like Behind the Wall from Tracy Chapman that I played at the end of the open line. And let's just read. And if you've got the current book that you're reading with you, uh, get to your phone um, if you don't have data or airtime, it's on me. Please call, and I'll call you back. And uh, let's just read. Okay, so between the world and me, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Maybe, I don't know if I should give some context. This is basically him in a very long letter to his son. That's the basic structure of the entire book. And it's him describing to his son the world of America, into which he was born as a kid, with all its racial and other fault lines. <clears throat> Son, last Sunday, the host of a popular news show asked me what it means to lose my body. The host was broadcasting from Washington, D.C., and I was seated in a remote studio on the far west side of Manhattan. A satellite closed the miles between us, but no machinery could close the gap between her world and the world for which I had been summoned to speak. When the host asked me about my body, her face faded from the screen and was replaced by a scroll of words written by me earlier that week. The host read these words for the audience, and when she finished, she turned to the subject of my body, although she did not mention it specifically. But by now, I am accustomed to intelligent people asking about the condition of my body without realizing the nature of their request. Specifically, the host wished to know why I felt 
that white America's progress, or rather the progress of those Americans who believe that they are white, was built on looting and violence. Hearing this, I felt an old and indistinct sadness well up in me. The answer to this question is the record of the believers themselves. The answer is American history. There's nothing extreme in this statement. Americans deify democracy in a way that allows for a dim awareness that they have from time to time stood in defiance of their God. But democracy is a forgiving God and America's heresies, torture, theft, enslavement, are so common among individuals and nations that none can declare themselves immune. In fact, Americans, in a real sense, have never betrayed their God. When Abraham Lincoln declared in 1863 that the Battle of Gettysburg must ensure, quote, that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. He was not merely being aspirational. At the onset of the Civil War, the United States of America had one of the highest rates of suffrage in the world. The question is not whether Lincoln truly meant government of the people, but what our country has throughout its history taken the political term people to actually mean. In 1863, it did not mean your mother or your grandmother, and it did not mean you and me. Thus, America's problem is not its betrayal of government of the people, but the means by which the people acquired their names. Man, this man writes beautifully. And remember, he's addressing this to the young son in his life. And that is the original sin of America that America has to confront. And this isn't a book that did well because it was particularly primary in terms of the content in it, in terms of the historicism that he managed to unearth and lift to the surface. But it is the unique brilliance of a particularly gifted writer that is able to capture even that which we know already are fairly trite facts about American history, but he did it in such a way that you renewed your own understanding of how much anti-black racism is in the DNA of American society. So that was just the first two pages from this New York Times bestseller, Ta-Nehisi Coates's Between the World and Me. The Literature Corner. Okay, if you want to read for us, give us a call on 011-883-0702. And... Um, yeah, let us know what it is that you have managed to pick from the shelf, Googled, or whatever the case might be. The Literature Corner. Hi, Eusebius. There's a piece for your literary corner. It's actually the lyrics of a song written by uh, Cat Stevens. I've abridged it here. Father and Son. It's not time to make a change. Just relax. Take it easy. You're still young, that's your fault. There's so much you have to know. Find a girl, settle down. If you want, you can marry. Look at me. I'm old, but I'm, but I'm happy. happy. I was once like you are now, and I know that it's not easy to be calm. 
when you found something going on. But take your time. Think a lot. Think of everything you've got. For you will still be here tomorrow. But your dreams may not. Then the son replies. How can I try to explain? Because when I do, he turns away again. It's always been the same. The same old story. From the moment I could talk, I was ordered to listen. But now there's a way, and I know that I have to go. I know that I have to go. I know I have to go. Cat Stevens. Aww. Abby. That was so nice. That was gorgeous. <laughs> Your listeners are going to make me cry with joy. I love the creativity. Yes, yeah, I love like the song acoustic, in the background. Yeah, something. <laughs> that was nice. absolutely amazing, and I love Cat Stevens. Beautiful music. You won't know what I'm talking about. You're too young. Excuse me, I do know. Your I folks, who I love to bits, they they can talk to me about <laughs> Cat Stevens. You say, "Excuse me." Let's test how well you know him. Oh when he gosh. converted, what did he convert his name to? Um, I know there was a Stephen Katz there somewhere. <laughs> right? Was, wasn't that his yeah. original name? Children trying to pretend <laughs> to be adults. Yusuf Islam. Okay. That's who he became. Was he not Stephen Katz to start with? To be honest with you, I don't know. Cat Stevens. I think that's he became his, Yusuf Islam. I think Cat Stevens is his stage name. And one of the interesting things when he switched is that he refused to recognize his earlier self, including all this beautiful music, just mm. said, that wasn't me. Sure. That wasn't me. Sure. Okay, are you going to top that up complete with the acoustics in the background? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got my backup singers on the way. No, so I'm going to take your New York best, New York Times best-selling book and yeah. top it with a Man Booker Prize oh, wow, look at winner, you. 2013. It's No Violet Bulawayo. We Need New Names. Okay. And I'm going to read from Chapter 6. Um, which actually is entitled, We Need, Need New Names. Hmm. Today we're getting rid of Chippo's stomach once and for all. One, it makes it hard for us to play. And two, if we let her have the baby, she will just die. We heard the women talking yesterday about Nosizi, that short, light-skinned girl who, to who took over Ma Domane's husband when Ma Domane went to N Namibia to be a housemaid. Nosizi is dead now from giving birth. It kills like that. We get out of the shanty really careful because the adults must not know. We're also leaving the boys out of this one because it's really a woman thing. So it's just us girls. <laughs> Forgiveness, one of the girls, is not a friend friend because her family only just recently appeared in paradise. This makes her a stranger. On top of that, she's not really like us. If you look at her really closely, you'll see her skin is too light and her hair almost wants to be curly. Maybe she was born just different. Maybe God didn't decide to make her black or white or even albino. We are doing it here behind Heavenway. The tree has a nice big shade. Sibor starts by spreading her mother's nsaro on the ground. She doesn't say how she got it, but I know she stole it, because no mother in paradise will give her things to anyone to spread on the dirt. I begin gathering stones, and after I pick maybe seven, I change my mind. I throw them away and start gathering medium-sized rocks. I haven't decided what exactly we'll do with the rocks, but since nobody asks or stops me, I just gather and gather. Maybe we'll use them to smash the stomach. I don't know. Forgiveness has found a rusted clothes hanger and is busy with it. 
We don't ask her what it's for, but I lean against the tree and watch her undo it. Chippo is smiling up at us, and we know she's happy about not dying, and we know we're not going to let her die. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Well, difficult subject matter, but from the view of children. Mm. These girls are children. Mm. Stunning. Thanks for that, Laura. Brian, good morning. Yes, how are you, Isabius? I'm good, thank you. Yes, I'm fine. I'm reading Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Okay. It says, a great man years ago, I purchased a fine dictionary. The first thing I did with it, it was to turn to the word impossible and neatly clip it out of the book. That would not be an unwise thing for you to do. Success comes to those who become success conscious. Mm. Failure comes to those who indefinitely allow themselves to become failure conscious. The object of this book is to help all who seek it to learn out of changing their minds from failure consciousness to success consciousness. Another weakness found in altogether, too many people is the habit of measuring everything and everyone by their own impressions and beliefs. Hmm. Some who will read this will believe that no one can think and grow rich. They cannot think in terms of riches because their thought habits have been steeped in poverty, want, misery, failure, and defeat. These unfortunate people remind me of a prominent Chinese who came to America to be educated in America, American ways. He attended the University of Chicago. One day, President Harper met this young or- Oriental on the campus, stopped to chat with him for a few minutes and asked what had impressed him as being the most noticeable characteristic of American people. Why? The Chinaman exclaimed, the queerest land of your eyes. Your your eyes are are of stand. Why do you say so about the Chinese? We refuse to believe that which we do not understand. We foolishly believe that our own limitations are the proper measure of limitations. That's a beautiful point, Brian. And in fact... That's a conversation I want to open up if we have enough time because it's going to require more than 10 minutes a little bit later. I love that that particular excerpt from that book, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. If you want to read for us, 011-883-0702, or you can also uh, read for us as a WhatsApp note on 072-702-1702. The Literature Corner. Guys, Tupac was amazing. Hey, you got to forget sometimes the giants. They died young. And then you realize not only were they brilliant, but you have an insight into society that has that kind of artistic impact long after your death and you died young is really, really amazing. So I'm holding in my hand the rose that grew from concrete. And basically it contains 72 poems written by Tupac. Um. And these were written around the age of 19, thereabouts. So you're really talking about someone late teen, young adult with, with this kind of incredible, incredible grasp of, of, of poetry, 
of society and everything else that is Tupac. So I'm going to randomly open it and I'll read two or three for you. And, um, yeah, and then we'll, yeah, just see how good it is. I've had this on my bookshelf for a long time. And his beautiful portrait uh, looks back at me, but I've never really taken it off the shelf. So I'm going to do, I've done that this morning and I've already liked what I've been reading. So yeah, I am randomly on page 15. Untitled. Please wake me when I'm free. I cannot bear captivity. Where my culture, I'm told, holds no significance. I'll wither and die in ignorance. But my inner eye can see a race who reigned as kings in another place. The green of trees were rich and full, and every man spoke of beautiful. Men and women together as equals, war was gone because all was peaceful. But now, like a nightmare, I wake to see that I live like a prisoner of poverty, Please wake me when I'm free. I cannot bear captivity, for I would rather be stricken blind than to live without expression of mind. The Literature Corner. Wow. Makes me embarrassed at all the stupid attempts at poetry I had um, <laughs> when I was at school. And here again from Tupac, and this is, there's a simplicity in the language that I think is really beautiful, even though it captures really fascinating elements of being human or society or relationships. This is on page 57, and this little entry is entitled, When I Do Kiss You. I mean, you have to re really get the book because they also have like the handwriting and some of the, the way in which the words appear on the pages actually matter as well. But be that as it may, let me, let me read one or two more for you. I haven't yet for reasons of your own, but soon I'm sure you'll tire from being alone. You haven't recovered from the pain of the past, so you show me affection behind the wall of glass. But when I do finally kiss you, Laura, you will realize at last my heart was true. 28 minutes after 11. The Literature Corner. And then a last one from Tupac because I'm woke like that. Let's see. And this is again fairly, fairly, um, random. Well, I'm lying. I'm actually looking for one that I kind of sort of like. We'll keep with, okay, page 41, right? If there be pain, and that's probably going to be Maybe all that we have time for. But if you want to squeeze in a quick read, you can do so on 11 Um I'll maybe take one of your calls. But I'm reading from page 41 in this lovely collection of po poetic thoughts, not just poetry, but also other scribbles by Tupac. If there be pain. If there be pain, all you need to do is call on me to be with you. And before you hang up on the, f hang up the phone, you will no longer be alone. Together we can never fall because our love will conquer all. If there be pain, reach out for a helping hand and I shall hold you wherever I am. Every breath I breathe will be into you. Yo, that sounds like a threat to Buck. For without you, yeah, my joy is through. My life was lived through falling rain. So call on me if there be pain. Ah, okay, that one was a bit cheesy. Lambry, good morning. Hi, you're Yebo. Yeah, boy. How are you? I'm not here. 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 I'm not here
Yes. No, that's what I said. It's my first time on the literature corner or even on radio. Uh, I used to write poems, and I did publish a book in 2017. Uh, but this is the latest poem that I did after, after we lost our mother uh, three months ago uh, through cancer. Mm, I'm so sorry for your loss. Read from the poem. I hope it's not okay. too long. We've run out of time, but read a little bit from it for us. Okay, it's called Don't Look For Me. Don't look for me. Sorry, don't look for my remains at the cemetery. You'll never find them. Don't look. Don't even look for me at the mortuary because I did not. I did not die. I'm like the voice that whispers in your ear, the voice that jolts your spirit when your chips are down. Don't count me amongst the dead or think about me while despondent in a well of tears. My soul didn't die. It's so as free in the heaven, pure and unshackled from the pain that devoured my mortal body to shreds. Don't grieve for me. I made peace. It's only the flesh that dies. I now live in the realms of the spirit. I have seen, I, I have seen the light. I have seen the place where we'll all end after Margot has fed on our flesh. Don't erase my anguish or preside over my memory. But tell the story of my life, the scars that mark me, and the love that made me. Hmm. Tell of my peace in my heart, or the melody in my voice, for I'm everywhere you seek me. I'm part of you, your life, your memory. I live in you. Hmm. Thank you, Lembry. Thank you for that. And may your mom's soul rest in peace.